Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined as always by Jason from Frozen and Carbonite and Mike Munzenreiter. We're going to be talking about the new Daywan documentary and Girls just announced collaboration with Uniqlo. Late last week, Transworld Skateboarding released their Daywan documentary, which clocked in at around 49 minutes and covered Daywan's life from his beginnings to now. I thought it was a good reminder of how rad Daywan is and how many phases he's gone through while still staying true to who we perceive he is. Mike, what'd you think? I too thought it was good. Yeah, I mean, it's a super sprawling documentary. And like you said, 49 minutes. I'd seen elsewhere, like people talking on Twitter saying that it could have been longer. And uh, count me as a skeptic when it comes to skateboard documentaries. Like sometimes they're just a little too navel gazing, but uh, that actually could have gone a little bit longer. I wanted to see him go into some stuff deeper. Like they touched on day one working on cars and all that. But I, I feel like I remember he had more of a, a gang related phase out there. Yeah, some, some of the company company stuff like DECA, like almost the exits from there, I could have I could have seen a little bit more on that, but I do understand that it was a uh, Transworld made it, but it felt at times definitely like an Adidas product too. So I get I get the narrow focus that they did. What did you guys think? Well, first of all, as a diehard World of New Shoes kid back then in uh, you know the early nineties or whatever, it was pretty thick. It was totally in my wheelhouse. Um, couple takeaways. Number one, if they can get Rocco on a documentary, then they, meaning we, like skating in general or whatever, we can get them on a podcast. So there's still hope for Rocco to be on a podcast. And Mark Gonzalez, the Mark Gonzalez interview footage was tight because he actually talked like a normal skate dude, like without a stick or whatever. Know what I mean? Yeah, he had a lot of really interesting takes on shit. He should like do more of this kind of shit. Like he could probably write a book on skating and it would be pretty interesting. Yeah, that'd be amazing if we could get a, a lucid Mark Gonzalez book. That'd be a good read for sure. I really enjoyed the documentary. I thought that uh, Joe PC did a really good job in the director's seat. I liked the animations. I thought they were really tasteful, sprinkled throughout. I thought that Retta did a really good job as the narrator. And I really liked that they left in some of his kind of like side remarks. You know, I, I imagine he'd be reading the script and then just kind of have his own thoughts and they just kind of left it in. And I, I liked that, that little bit of realness. I definitely thought like they did touch on stuff that I wouldn't have expected where, you know, talking about day one's divorce, you know, sometimes a lot of like real life stuff gets edited out of skateboarding or it ends up just like maybe too dramatized, but I thought they, they struck a balance. I dug it. And, um, Backing up to Don's talking about things as a real person and just like outside of his normal on camera persona. Maybe it's not exactly day one, but I, I mean, it applies to him. Gon's talking about how people don't learn how to ride a skateboard anymore. They just learn tricks like <laughs> my kids coming out. <laughs> how naturally day one, like granted he's in the game forever but like you forget just how like dudes who really know how to ride the damn thing you can tell and uh that point just that kids don't learn how to ride it before learning tricks uh i think that was a solid point and, and it and it applies probably today more than ever yeah definitely you made a good point about day one just being a really solid skater like when you see him like in Skate More, when his skating was a little more pared back. And I remember he had in his Skater of the Year interview in Thrasher, it was a little more pared back, a little more Thrasher. And Daywan's fucking rad, you know? Like he can do just like a, 
a method off a launch ramp and it's going to look fucking sick. Um, I, I thought the documentary was a, a good reminder of how good his 360 flips are. I never really count him as a 360 flipper, but he's got a really good one. Yeah, they flip super fast. Like fast. Jason Lee and uh, Javante, they kind of like, you know, just kind of kick it and they kind of catch it in the air, kind of land on it really sick. But they want to just kind of go like, meow. And it's like, that was sick. But, uh, you know, one question where do you think Daywan fits into the kind of best ever? or best street skater ever kind of bar school discussion. I'd say he's like at least in the top 10, if not the top five. What do y'all think? I'd say top five is a safe bet. There's always that nagging feeling that like the dwindle warehouse years, all the strange picnic table stuff. Like I remember feeling at the time or like watching that stuff at the time and kind of thinking like, what is this? Where does this fit in? Like, how does this compare to like dudes that are, I mean, to be real, like straight up street skating, like, yeah, a schoolyard's street skating. What's it become when, and he talked about it. What's it become when you move eight picnic tables to make your obstacle that includes like, you know, roll up ramp, ride out and some picnic tables leaned up on the fence just to like add some, I don't know, ambiance or something. Uh, I mean, he's, easily one of the top five like best skateboarders ever just in terms of like the breadth of what he he's done and the skill level uh but it's a really it, it's tough to place him in that wider context as much as i think you know he's awesome full stop yeah i feel like he's certainly he's a street skater but he's not in in the street or on the sidewalk he's he's like a, a schoolyard skater uh which is street but it's almost skate park adjacent you know with the banks and the plastic picnic tables that you can move around space them out perfectly yeah it's it's hard to say where he falls in the ranking and i think that's what's so weird about skateboarding is like you know my ranking is probably different from yours and has some people that like you know yeah yeah I'd say Every- don't belong on the list at all but as far as technical yeah, skills everyone's got a different he's probably one of the best the technical best skater you know, keeps updating as more kids come along and learn how to do more and more tricks and spend their days at skate parks. But I think day one is, is up there with Whoa. the best of them. Wait, so you think like counts less than like actual street footage or something? I think it counts the same, but if you see somebody do a kickflip backside tail slide on a granite ledge at Pulaski, that's going to look way better than a kickflip backside tail slide at Lockwood. It just looks better when there's cool buildings in the background and like cool ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's aesthetic, aesthetically different, right? Right. Here we go. Right. Yeah, I think Daywan's like, yeah, definitely in the top ten, maybe top seven. Like, who else is there? Like, like Mark Gonzalez, Jason Lee. You know what I mean? After that, there's a bunch that you can include. I would include PJ Lad just because I'm a PJ Lad kind of like fan. But some people wouldn't probably. But I think technically PJ Lad is up there with Daywan. Yeah, he probably is. Yeah, I got to get Mike Carroll in the in the conversation there. Uh, though it's it's tough with a lot of these guys making the comparison just for the output that Daywan has put out. How fast he skates, like that. Uh, you know, for all the reminders, three sixty flips in that documentary. Like Daywan hauls ass and is doing just like <laughs> all sorts of insanely buck stuff on those ridiculous trucks. Uh, I was reminded that like that DECA part he had that was early 2000s, I think pretty much in the middle of that part, he did three or four variations on like nose blunt, switch around a 
what what would it be frontside blunt you know like or switch backside yeah yeah from like from like one bench to another bench and shit like all the shit that uh mark johnson didn't fully flare kind of that yeah same game, like he did like four variations of mj's last trick and fully flared in the middle of that deca part and granted it was like a underground parking garage but like you know he he probably goes to show just how tough it can be like to be that far ahead of your time because i don't know go back and rewatch that stuff like switch backside nose grind pop over a chain to backside nose grind like it's stuff that lacked any context at the time it's just uh i'm a huge day one fan even if there are some like questions about where and what and how he skated just because i don't think it made sense i never questioned day one's skating or his choices you know like it was always street you know he was never in a skate park up until i guess recently in instagram uh in the instagram era and in the world days when the world park was cool enough to count. But he just always had his own take on things that felt felt good, I guess. So I, I never questioned it. I never thought it was whack that he was stacking all these tables. I, I always kind of appreciated the thought that he put into it. You know, like you got to you got to have a plan when you're stacking 20 tables around. And I, I always appreciate somebody with a plan. Yeah, I got I got to go on record. Don't get me wrong. Never thought it was whack. It was just hard to place. Like he was so far off in his own world. I think of those like uh, visual visualizations of NBA players and advanced stats and whatnot. And, like Steph Curry's just up in the right hand corner, and all the other fools are are grouped in the middle. Like that's where Daywan is. He's probably on some Steph Curry stuff. So don't Daywan, if you're listening, oh. don't get bumped. Mike, you mean those like charts where it's like a million dots with different yeah. colors, like on like a bath half court? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. But uh, yeah, yeah I mean, he's, just, I can't he's think... always been in rarefied, rarefied company. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anyone else that always like had a concept that they were going for. Like most pros are like, well, can skate EMB, do some lines here, or whatever, and skate the courthouse, blah blah blah. But he was always like, well. These couple years, I'm going to, like, stack the new tables, like, as hard as I can. Then he was, like, in Deca, he was, like, I'm going to try these crazy combos and shit. And then, like, skate more, he was, like, well, it's, like, my button-down shirt face. I'm going to, like, you know, be more like a stylized type of street skater. Then, like, rock phase, like, shout out, uh, vibe to skating rock. Yeah, he always had some type of fucking concept that he was going for, which was it. I thought it was sick how the, the documentary kind of revealed that uh, Colin Kennedy sort of unlocked one of the, uh, well, I guess, skater of the year winning day one by having him, like, mellow out skate street spots to his full ability and, like, put out that skate more part. It was interesting that uh, Kennedy wasn't all that shy about being like, yeah, I told him to chill and look what happened. That was, that was pretty funny. And... Uh, I, I I really do. Maybe maybe I am showing my true colors. I really do enjoy that phase of day one where it's like just really fast skating. It kind of I mean they're not like Bob Pulio spots, but you know spots that aren't easy to skate. Going fast, yeah, yeah. Dude's rad. He's he's had as many different phases as Dill, like like we were saying, and he's uh, one of the best. Yeah, it's interesting talking about the phases. Daywan's had phases with like obstacles or what he's skating but i feel like most skaters their phases are more about the clothes that they wear and daywan's always stayed pretty true to who he is i mean he certainly you know changed up his style with 
you know, to stay current, but it's always kind of felt right for him. You know, he, he never had a big kit switch up like Chris Cole or something. He's always just been like the day one that you expect for like, well, like Ronnie time. Like Ronnie didn't send him a box with like, here are your outfits for the next video. <laughs> Boom. Allegedly. <laughs> I don't know if I I'd trust Rodney, Rodney to dress me. Did Rodney cry in that documentary? I'll I'll do respect again, but man, that is an earnest dude. <laughs> he always sounds like he's on the verge of tears. It's just his thing now. I think it is. Yeah, no, he always has that tone, like like in the Rocco documentary, which I've watched probably like fifty times. Like he always he's like he's gonna cry. He just has that kind of a affect, I guess. But yeah, like Mike said earlier, I wish that you could probably make a documentary about the day one like import lowering years alone that would be interesting as fuck because i like cars and shit a lot of skaters like cars so that's fucking fascinating like did he teach himself how to do that shit because there was no youtube back then you know what i mean i guess there's just dudes around that showed you the ropes or whatever yeah it sounded like you just got in with a crew of dudes who were doing shit to their cars maybe he could be the next host of pimp my ride <laughs> that'd be sick just smooth ass day one dulcet tones of day one just talking about pimping rides i'd watch maybe you could uh in you could intern with exhibit for a little while because that would be hella good tv as well mtv i know you're listening uh call us up let's make this happen um if i had any other thoughts just some of the the, the characters in that documentary daniel castillo was excellent i thought like that dude's a good talker um and where was kareem where is kareem campbell like just generally i feel I, I gotta yeah, think. Yeah, right. Like, where is that dude? He, it's it's, um, it's a loss for skateboarding that, you know, he's not more invisible. Yeah, based on his Instagram, I think he's down in Texas or some shit. I don't know what he's up to right now, but he, he posted some skate park footage, like, two years ago. That was sick. Or, like, he did, like, a backside tail slide and maybe, like, a nose grind reaver on this, like, fucking hip-high ledge off a bump at some park. And everyone, like, went apeshit, understandably. Yeah, I guess he was down in Texas doing his thing, I guess. Yeah, that, that was kind of weird. Like, they didn't interview Cream or Shiloh. Shiloh is usually in these type of documentaries. Man, this makes me think that we need a Kareem documentary. Oh, good God, yeah. Yeah, that would be way sick, dude. You know, the stories that we know, which are few and far between, but pretty epic, indicate that it would be an amazing documentary. Or even, like, a Henry Sanchez documentary. You know what I mean? Because that the way he exited world has always been like there's always been a bunch of stories about it and shit. Just his whole uh, aura is crazy, and like what he's doing now. I guess he like fixes cars or whatever, or does like uh, uh, auto body work. But like, yeah, Henry Sanchez documentary would be crazy. That guy, he was up there with Daywan for a couple of years. Like they were like, you know, what I mean, neck and neck. And now he's got uh, off to other things. But yeah, Henry Sanchez documentary, Kareem documentary. I heard that there's a Pepe Martinez documentary mm. being made, or someone made it. Maybe um, Leland from 48 Box made it, or was making it, or something, and just kind of uh, fell apart or something. Shit, that would be rad. That would be way sick, dude. I think they made a trailer for an EMB documentary, like, fucking 10 years ago, but I guess it never got made, whoever, was a, whoever started that, or whatever. Yeah, there's a billion fucking ways of people that... Uh, could be documented and it's sick even though there's a ton of them already yeah i think we're we're in the days of skate documentaries i know chris mulhern 
uh, is working on a Love Park documentary. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that, dude. That's going to be sick. Yeah. And I remember him mentioning somewhere that he was also working on a Blueprint documentary, which is super relevant to my mm. interests. I wonder why Dan Maggie isn't doing that. <laughs> but maybe you need to outsource something when you were the when you were the prime person. Yeah, he's the subject. He can't be the the filmmaker. I guess that's yeah. not entirely true. What are everybody's favorite docs? I feel like uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm nostalgic, or maybe I'm yeah. Maybe maybe it's just my opinion. I love that on video stuff. There was kind of a lack of pretense, and it was super straightforward, and it was like there wasn't the gravity kind of the weight that some you know like now that skateboarding is a little bit bigger and different maybe more professionalized like sometimes the docs are overproduced but like i feel like that hubba hideout piece that on video did that's one of the that's one of the shining examples of just like skateboarding and that it's irreverent yet serious it's a good document about something. Yeah, without like baked in sentiment. My anti baked in sentiment stance comes from like an epically later where they put sad music over some part. And I felt like I was being uh, <laughs> like I was being sold short. Like I, I, I should understand when there's something sad going on. But yeah, what are what are you guys' favorite docs? Oh, shit. Um, well, the Rocco documentary, Natch, and I guess the Hasoy documentary because he's such a hilarious you know, over the top character, or he was anyway. Those are my two favorites. I got to agree with you, Mike. The on video series was super good. And yeah, I think you nailed it saying that they got the gravity right. You know, like they could focus because it was really just aimed at skaters. They could focus on Hubba Hideout, which is is pretty uh, nuanced thing to talk about. And like the general general population isn't really going to be that interested. Although there was a super good 99% visible podcast that was about uh, maybe it was about skating and Hubba Hideout was mentioned. I don't remember exactly what the story was, but I'll link to it in the show notes. It was super good. Yeah, like I said, those on video segments are legendary. Uh, everyone should watch them, especially the one about style, quote unquote, where they have like Brian Lottie's now later part at the end. Like, yeah, that one is fucking legendary. Those are like mandatory viewing. Are they on YouTube anymore? I think this one guy's account had them off, but then he got uh, banned or whatever. I don't even know if they're on YouTube anymore, dude. It's a good question. Didn't Transworld uh, buy the rights to 411, which was the parent of On Video? Well, and they started some site where they were going to post all the old 411s. Right. I don't know what happened. I think they got to like number two or something. Looks like we got some On Videos on... Um on youtube um if i have one other thing i wish i knew about the day one doc what was that tribe called quest song that he was supposed to skate to in trilogy oh my god somebody please socrates release the tribe version please you know someone watched the finished version they were like shit we never named that song and you know can't go back i also for the record Mm. never thought that that absolute perfection song was that terrible but like everybody else was you know probably now that i know rightfully crapping on it but uh yeah that's funny to think that like someone at world in 1996 was like nah dude can't skate to another hip-hop song in our one of our videos it's probably john thomas or one of those rasta dudes well by the way you could you could maybe figure out the tribe called quest song from the bpm like you said it was kind of fast or whatever like if mm-hmm. you kind of like scope their catalog out and look for a, a track that has similar bpm to absolute perfection 
might yeah, be able to figure it out. Somebody needs let's to get, get on that, that uh, audio forensics and recreate the Daywan's trilogy part the way it should have been. I mean, just based on like you know, Tribe Called Quest A sides. What there's four albums out by 1996, including uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Like that's all of 47 songs. Someone can do that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like when trilogy <laughs> came out, like, the first thing I didn't even think about. It. I was like, oh, I actually thought it was kind of cool and like different or whatever. Because every back then was like either like an oldie song or like some rap song. It was like oldie song, rap song, oldie song, rap song. So. I thought it was kind of cool and different or whatever. No, nah, when I watched Trilogy, I think I watched it three times in a row. That's right. <laughs> it is called Trilogy. That, that, like, best, yeah, f- best video, dude. Like, one of, one of the videos. I never thought Day One song was all out there because, of course, Ronnie Krieger skated to Eurythmic. So, like, you know, anything's going to go. Yeah, it didn't feel out of place to me. It, I mean, it was not expected, but it was just like, okay, that's fine. That I'm not familiar with this music but it works yeah i think what jason was saying like back in that era that made a lot of sense if you were watching the new primitive edit and all of a sudden diego najero was skating to some wild stuff like that like yeah you'd you'd maybe think that uh p rod didn't want any more hip-hop in the in the video and called in the reggae squad so it would have been interesting if they had talked about all of the companies that he's been involved in you know artifact rarely even gets a mention any, mm-hmm. anymore if, if ever it did Deca? yeah that was yeah, like Deca. wasn't artifact like for just like two months or something or something stupid like that it was very short-lived who the anyway, hell was on it besides writing day one like him jb maybe i don't know like it. i think it was basically Deca before there was Deca. yes anyway all this collab talk uh is because girl announced a collaboration with uniqlo on tuesday uh, it's a collection of six t-shirts. It's not their first collaboration with a mainstream brand, but it's the first time they've served their merchandise up in a fast fashion retailer. Jason, you're probably closer to any Uniqlo than Mike and I. Uh, are you going to go cop some girl shirts? Yeah, I was looking at this earlier. Like, uh, it's kind of random. Like, I don't think so. Like, Uniqlo is pretty tight because you can always, you know, get like a blazer for like the cost of a t-shirt or whatever on that site if you're into blazers i don't know i'm like a middle-aged type of dude i find myself wearing blazers a lot but yeah i mean i don't know who their audience for this is like some of the shirts are tight if they just had the picture of like mike carroll doing some trick into the sound had some like slogan so yeah i understand why they did it but i wasn't like super psyched on it like i would i would definitely fuck with like a girl chocolate blazer or something along those lines but yeah i wouldn't like super psyched on it what do y'all think i think like Jason was saying, it's tough to know who the audience is with this type of stuff. Like, the Kodak stuff is clean, the girl did. It's, I mean, it looks good. But I also wonder, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong to think that, like, most everything in skateboarding actually is aimed at, like, 13 to 20-year-old men and boys. Because, like, the Kodak stuff just seems to fly over the heads of anybody who's of a certain age who has never shot film, has no connection to film, whatever. I think, like, the Uniqlo angle that the tees are all, like, $15 is pretty cool from just an accessibility standpoint. But, uh, yeah, I feel like the vast majority of people... I went to Japan, and that's, like, all my exposure to Uniqlo. I don't really have a have a point of reference for it otherwise outside of, outside of that because 
like you were saying, Templeton, like <laughs> we're not anywhere near any of those places. It's probably Chicago. That's the closest for me. So uh, does, does Utah have brick and mortar stores or is it just like the website? Yeah, they've got a number of brick and mortar stores. Uh, I think your closest one will be Tyson's Corner. Oh, yeah. That, that's a classic <laughs> mall or outlet center or whatever. Yeah, yeah I'll so. go by there next. I'll go by there next time I go up to Ikea, I guess. Shout out to Titan's Corner, Ikea. Yeah, shout out to all Northern Virginia. Keep, keep an eye out for Jason this weekend shopping for the new girl shirts. You're going to hit the Memorial Day sales in Titan's Corner. <laughs> Sick. Oh, my God. It's going to be a shit show. I'm going to have to helicopter in because the traffic in D.C. Memorial Day weekend is going to be hellacious. I, I'm just going to stay away. I'm just going to stay at home. Fuck it. Yeah, just order them online. Thinking better of getting those deals. Um, what, are, what are our thoughts like more widely on collaborations? Uh, I, I'm kind of at a loss of trying to make sense of them. It just seems like a double whammy of branding and capitalism and all that. Me not being really like an anti-capitalist or anything. But like the significance is kind of lost on me. If it were two companies that I was like super hyped on, I don't know which two brands those would be like. Can someone tell me what the like what's so cool about a collaboration? I guess is my question. I think um, it's an opportunity for a brand to get in front of a new audience. You know, girl getting their stuff in Uniqlo puts them in front of all of Uniqlo's audience. You know, like they're going to appear on Uniqlo's social media. I'm sure that that drives a lot of new followers. They made a little clip, so that's on, that's on Uniqlo's website and Instagram, and that's going to drive new people to girl. And hopefully they'll come and buy. Um, <laughs> we got our first guest. Did she say pod? Did that infant just say podcast? <laughs> sounded like she said podcast. It was either podcast. It was either podcast or eyebrows. But I'm going with podcast. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I I think the the idea of doing a collaboration is just so that you can get in front of a new audience, and that you each can get a little shine off each other. You know, Uniqlo acknowledging girl gives them some cred as like hey we're we're big enough and cool enough for uh, this big company to notice us and uniqlo getting to do a collaboration with girl may make skaters think of uniqlo differently maybe skaters will go into uniqlo to buy a girl shirt and they'll walk out with a pair of pants and some socks or something so i, I think from a business standpoint it makes a lot of sense but from a product standpoint i'm not sure if all of them make sense uh, I thought the Kodak collab was super sick. Hello Kitty collab yeah. from Girl was pretty good too. They ran that Kodak collab super hard. Like, they came, didn't they come up with like two videos or something, like showcasing it or whatever? Like yeah, they had they, that, that video, then they had that Puerto Rico video or web clip or whatever you call it. They were all about that for a minute. Yeah, and the Kodak one makes a lot of sense because they're also shooting that Super 8 Kodak film. It's a great way for Kodak to show off their product. I'm not sure oh, how much yeah. girl gets they were, um, fuck. Yeah, they had that. I guess they were promoting that service where if you send them your Super 8 footage, they digitize it for you or some shit. Something uh, like that. I think they also had a new camera. Yeah, yeah, it's a new camera and like you just send it to them and they digitize it for you. I think maybe my, my lack of understanding of collaborations goes to me not delving in enough to the brand stories to the stories that the brands are trying to tell. Um, their na they're narratives, bro. Their brand narratives. Excuse me. Yeah, that's why that agency job, I'm never getting it. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool with the, the Super 8 film footage and all that. 
who do we think in skateboarding does uh does other good collabs that we like? Oh, Supreme, <laughs> of course. Fucking Supreme. Supreme and Hellraiser. Supreme and like Slayer. Hellraiser. The yeah. new Andy Howe one. Yeah, Supreme and whatever, dude. They, yeah, they, they have fucking crazy sick collabs. Full dis- full disclosure, I have the Supreme Slayer sweater, and it's a really good conversation starter during sweater season. I'm sure, naturally. I can't think of a really great collab. One, one thing that came to mind is I always liked how Antihero would do a collaboration with a shop, and they would change the bird. It would be like the classic Antihero eagle board, but they would change the bird to a different different bird, you know, like a vulture or a, a cardinal is the one that I'm thinking of. I think that's pretty sick. But that's that's kind of like a lower level collab. Bronze had some sick ones. Like they had those uh, Reebok classics. Oh, yeah. And Palace. Palace does sick collabs. They did collaboration with Polo, which was sick. Kind of, I kind of wanted the heel flip teddy bear sweater. <laughs> Be a good companion piece to your Slayer sweater, Jason. Oh, yeah, dude. You guys get out together during sweater season. We'll wear our sweaters to the mostly skateboarding office party. There you go. Christmas party. <laughs> all right. So the biggest question of all, uh, mostly skateboarding podcast, Brand X comes to, uh, you know, collaborate with us. They want to, you know, dip into some of our uh, listeners. Who do we want to work with? Uh, dude, well, Venture, of course, um, Lululemon, series of like uh, mostly skateboarding, X Lululemon, crazy pattern, workout shirts and shit. I could I'd want like a Lulu full Lululemon. line of sweatpants. From Lulu. I think we're each going to have to get our own separate garments on the Lululemon collab. Because I want some like technical pants for summer that are like super lightweight and breathable, but just look like khakis. I'd rep yeah, those, but I'd want my kind of sweats shit, too. Well, Neen, I know, I know Neen is listening. Let's make it happen. It's that simple. Yeah. Uh, what else could we do with Lululemon? Like compression tights, you know what I mean? Fucking technical outerwear. Lululemon's great. Lululemon. I was just saying, I think we're all on board with Lululemon, but you were going to say your actual dream partner. My actual dream partner would probably be Carhartt, or Carhartt Work in Progress, the streetwear arm of the American Workwear Company. They've got a huge product offering, and they make a lot of sick shit, so I, th- I think that would be cool. But I probably wouldn't get my technical uh, summer weight pants from Carhartt. What about you, Mike? Do you have a, a dream collaborator? I think I think since it's still like mid to high forties every now and then right now up in here up here in Minnesota and rainy, I would love some like puffy coats from Patagonia branded with our mostly skateboarding expertise. Um, I'm still stuck in outerwear thought zones where I just I'm just trying to stay warm up here. Anybody who makes like a really heavyweight like legit wool sweater, I'd also take some uh, co-branded gear from them. So. Uh, I'm just keeping that call wide open. I'm not even going specific, so we'll take bids on the, on that front. Man, like along those lines, I'm surprised Patagonia hasn't done a collab with some skate brands because a lot of skaters, at least based on what I've seen in like New York and shit, like fuck with Patagonia heavy, like heavy, heavy, heavy. I so, fuck with Patagonia heavy. Yeah, who doesn't, man? Like they're great. Yeah, that I mean, Patagonia would be a dream collaborator, and I think it would make a lot of sense. Uh, us being the premier skate podcast and they being the premier technical outerwear brand andy mack if you're listening i don't know how many times we need to do that joke but uh yeah props to andy mack for rigging that up we're we're gonna keep running that joke 
nonstop. Andy, uh, call your boys at Patagonia. Let's make this happen. We'll even be down to sell it on the Amazon skate shop. <laughs> that is brand synergy right there. Wait, um, that's the thing? Like the Amazon skate shop, they have like a site or whatever for skate. In his nine club, he talked about bringing skateboarding to Amazon. And I kind of got the feeling that there was like a digital skate shop type situation with Amazon. But probably it just comes up in the search results. Yeah. yeah. Support your local shop. But... For sure. Good grief, yes. On that note, we're all stoked on uh, our local skate shop. What else are you stoked on uh, this week, Mike? Uh, well, I'm stoked on having recorded my first mostly skateboarding podcast, mostly with my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter on my lap in a dark bedroom, so that's great. Uh, otherwise, talking about day one this week, I was reminded of an answer that day one gave me 11 years ago this month when I interviewed him for the Skateboard Mag. He was, let's say, difficult to get on the phone. I blew my deadline. Uh, but when I did get him on the phone, he was great. Uh, I was interested to see how the documentary would like go into his personality because the guy was one of the better skateboard interviews I've done just in that he was actually, I shouldn't say actually, because it is, it's, it's work. But he was interested in the interviewee and there was like give and take or he was interested in the interviewer and there was give and take. And it was one of the more conversational ones, uh, ones that I'd done. But yeah, I'm not going to lie. I gabbed about the opportunity to interview day one and some friends made sure that I asked him like what was one of the craziest things that he'd ever seen go down in person. And I think like when I asked that question, I was expecting him to say like, oh my God, I was at the Venice pit when Mariano did that switch pop shove at Crooked Grind or something really iconic. But uh, I pulled up the interview and uh, yeah, when I asked him what he saw as the craziest thing go down in person on a skateboard, he said, quote, I was at 7th Street School in San Pedro at six in the morning, me and Shallow Great House. We figured out that, wow, pros come to spots like this at six in the morning. So Mark Gonzalez, Jason Lee, and Javante Turner show up. Okay, yeah, the kid's telling me she doesn't want to talk to the computer, so I'll just finish the quote. But, uh, yeah, and I seen Mark Gonzalez get in a nosebone slide on, you know, the table, how not the long ways, how you skate it the normal way, but the side of it, where it's only two feet. I seen him ollie in a nosebone slides on that, and he was wearing a mechanics jumpsuit. So, yeah, Mark Gonzalez in a one-piece suit, but not a one-piece suit, a, a jumpsuit, sliding a nosebone slide on a picnic table the wrong way. Uh, I just thought that image needs more and i think it was also sick that like shiloh and day one were at one time just kids trying to get out and like spy on pros so i always like that image let's see jason what are you stoked on well uh, on sunday i went to see avengers endgame and then i watched the last game of thrones episode so mainstream entertainment i guess like they're both pretty sick like i don't have a hot take like it's a television show it's a fantasy i guess people on the internet were psyched on it but you know what i mean it is what it is there's hundreds of other out there that are sick as well you might like their endings i don't know but the funny thing about that is like all like the nerd shit from when mike and i were kids i guess is like the shit that's cool now like comic if you collected comic books now or when the fantasy or dnd you were like okay now it's like the center of popular culture pretty weird but yeah mainstream entertainment also uh the new tx or just came out with like we're all fans of that dude here at the most people in podcast 
like it's pretty much more of the same like technical street shit in Brazil and these random marble plazas in like Macau or type. So yeah, that's sick. He's one of the, he's definitely in like, maybe like the top 15 street skaters. I think you could say you can make an argument for a very good TX. And only 35 years uh, old. I would have thought he was older. Yeah. Right. Her video came out in like 98 or 99 or whatever. It was probably, it's probably, I think he was like 15 or whatever when he won that like Prague contest and shit. I was probably like 98. So yeah, that, that checks out right. It does seem like it's been around a lot longer though. And finally, uh, last week I was remiss in my duties as an awake type of person. Uh, still like on Venture Trucks. They just came out with the 5.6s with the 8.25 inch axle, if that's the size of board you prefer. So yeah, still psyched on Venture Trucks Awake. Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? This week, I'm stoked on a little Instagram story from Tyshawn Jones. Unfortunately, it's gone now, but he was sharing some old footage and old emails from when he first started getting hooked up. And it was just really interesting to see kind of his approach and to see that he even got rejected from Bones Wheels. I, I thought that was cool that he posted a rejection letter. You know, he's, he's a dude at the top of his game who I'm sure any skate brand would love to sponsor. And there was a time when Bones Wheels wouldn't, wouldn't send a package to Tyshawn Jones. So I thought that was pretty rad. And, uh, just cool to see you know pros are just like us and that brings us to the end of this week's mostly skateboarding uh podcast please tune in next week as we discuss whatever goings ons are going on in skateboarding but until then you can always find us on the internet you can find me on instagram at mostly skateboarding and on twitter at mostly skate where can the people find you jason twitter at Carbonite1994 on the Instagram at Frozen and Carbonite and writing stuff for quarterstacks.com. New stuff in the works. We're working on it. Nice. Mike, where can the people find you? Uh, I'm on both Twitter and Instagram at M Munzenrider. Let's, uh, let's keep the Twitter conversation going about the uh, money ball aspects of skateboarding. I'm looking for answers out there. Also, I'd be remiss before I go. My kid wants to say hello so speak in say hi of course she doesn't talk when asked <laughs> to so uh <laughs> i'll say hi for her hi classic thanks everybody now she's smiling <laughs> awesome we'll see you guys next week yeah i said bye i'm, I'm all done you gonna say something we're not recording anymore it's over you can talk now Perfect. Say hi. Say hi, baby. Hi.